All right, welcome back. And it's episode 29. A year and a half ago when I started this podcast, I didn't think I'd get beyond 12 episodes, and here we are. And today we are going to talk about mentors, coaches, and spiritual directors. Uh, I asked my friend Margie Bryce to come and share about these. She's been on the podcast before, and you can check that out, check that episode out. She's been a lead pastor, an associate pastor, a church planter, and she has experience in revitalization of churches. She's currently a professor and a coach, ministry coach, but she does business coaching also, and so I just had her come and share. We've talked about mentors before um, for our denomination and the district that I'm a, a part of, we require everyone who's going through the process to be ordained to have a mentor, and that mentor needs to be someone who's an ordained minister. But I also wanted to introduce you to coaches and spiritual directors. I've had a, a couple of guests on the podcast who have talked about having a spiritual director and the benefit that was for them. So I wanted to kind of hit all three of those. Margie is also my coach. Uh, she's my coach as a pastor. Uh, I asked her to start coaching me. It's been, I don't know, like 10 months since she's been doing that. And I've found a lot of value in that, um, that I didn't really even realize the value of coaching, I think, until I experienced it. So that's one of the reasons why I really wanted to share that with you. We make a reference for uh, to some new stuff that we're doing. And I think I mentioned that in a couple of episodes previous to this. So Devonair is getting ready to plant a dinner church uh, as a second campus or a second service, however you want to look at that. And we'll be ro rolling that out, We're working on the strategy now and, and kind of setting the launch date. But I hint to some of that a little bit in the episode, in case you're wondering. But I really think you're going to enjoy it and get a lot out of it. So please, uh, Share it with your friends, and also the episode, this podcast is now on iTunes and Google Play. So if you don't have a Podbean uh, membership or whatever, you can also find it that way. Um, so enjoy the episode. We really need to tell better stories instead of complaining about it, right? What if we right. just start telling the stories and really flood the airwaves with something different? All right, so you're getting ready to go to the Wesleyan Conference. Yes. And you're going to take this with you. I am taking this with me, yes. So I want uh, kind of try to expand a little bit the podcast mm -hmm. and talk about some other topics. So sure. um, several people that I interviewed, the last few people I've interviewed have talked about, well, we're always, we're always talking about mentors, but they've brought up spiritual directors and coaches and, and stuff like that. So I kind of want to talk about what they are, what's the difference, why someone would want one over another, and can you have more than one? What's the benefit of having a mentor and a coach and a spiritual director? Or, you know, I have a mentor and a coach right now. You're my coach. Yeah. 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 And, you know, I, I had a coach and a spiritual director for a period of, you know, five years at least. You had both? When I years? had both, yes. Wow. 
Yeah, I did. I did. I just, I needed help. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, I've had a mentor for the last 10 years, but they, I probably haven't been real good about meeting with him regularly, probably more regularly the last few years. And then a year ago, just felt like, I think I need to take this to the next level and get a coach and didn't really even know what that meant until I started having coaching. And I'm like, oh yeah, this is totally different. It it is. It is. Um, I had a spiritual director and I'll be like brutally honest about this, but I had tried for a long time to get friends to sit down and do accountability group with me. Yeah. I repeatedly asked friends, you know, and you go off to seminary, um, both when I went to Nazarene Theological Seminary and then when I was in the doctoral program at Ashland, I mean, it came up. They make you, you know, evaluate yourself, look at your own baggage, try to write a life plan, a life mission statement and all those kinds of things. And that would come up that I needed and I wanted an accountability partner. And I would repeatedly ask other women, other women clergy, and they just, I, maybe it's me, you know, maybe I have bad breath or <laughs> I don't know, but maybe I could not get people to sit down and commit to doing that with me. And I was just bummed and I whined uh, to God about that a lot. And then when Ashland, um, it's the same thing, you know, write your life, you know, mission statement, all this. And I'm back at this again. And I thought, all right, Jesus, I'm really not happy that this has come up again. But I asked a few people, they wouldn't do it. And I was actually toying with going to a retreat at this um, one uh, place here, you know, in the Detroit area. And when I went to their website, they had a spiritual director thing. Where is this at? That's at Manresa. Oh, yeah. The Jesuit house. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So I filled out forms of interest and went through a whole process and interviewed people and and picked somebody because, you know, and you hate to say this, like, okay, then I had to pay for my accountability, but sort of that's what happened, you know. Um, So I had her because I was entering the doctoral program and I just, I didn't want to walk that path alone. I didn't. And um, I felt like there were some things that I wanted to say that she would be able to bear and and help me with um, in a way that other people wouldn't. But what they do, a spiritual director will um, help you find God in a situation. And usually they are specially trained in this area. And what they do is they will take you through some processes so that you can be increasingly sensitive to the movement of the Holy Spirit in your life. And where is God in this is one of their pet questions to ask you. And and I even use that sometime in coaching. Um, I've used that. But yeah, so she was very good at pivotal times of asking that, or she was very good also at pivotal times of um, saying things back to me. You know, I would come to the place and I would say, you know, God has trained me to walk in the mess and God made that clear to me. And this is like a mess. And, and then she would go back and recount that at at just the right moment. She got really good at that. (laughs) Just the right moment. She'd say, and God has trained you to walk specifically in this. Um, So she was, and she still is a dear friend now. But yeah, she was with me at least seven years, I think. Oh, wow. Um, it was as I was working through the, the process um, at Ashland in the, um, in the doctoral program there. So I did have her, and then I was required to have a coach. 
by um, the denomination that I work for and the type of project I was working because it was uh, a merger of four and a half churches and it was kind of a specialty kind of process and we were trying to rearrange their thinking towards a more missional mindset, a more outward focused approach. Yes. So you were, I was required to have a coach and I had one coach for about three and a half years and then I switched and, and got a different coach because I felt like the project needed a different emphasis um, than the original guy who had also worked a similar project to me. Okay. So he was mentor-ish. I mean, a mentor is somebody that has walked where you want to go and they have, or they've navigated a process that you want to navigate. And so you're basically going to them and getting their take on how they walked in their specific process and getting that kind of encouragement and input from them. Um, But then when you're looking for a coach, Coaches don't solve the problem for you, <laughs> do they? No, I wish I no. wish you did. <laughs> At times. Just tell me what I'm supposed to do. Just tell me. I know, I know. I've been there. Having, you know, been coached for five years, I've been there. Um, but I also know that coaches are trained to um, ask very specific and powerful questions. They're trained to listen very, very deeply. They're trained to help you see solutions that are not readily obvious. Or if you're just enmeshed in your own stuff, you know, you can't see the forest for the trees sometimes. And um, that's what we're, we're trained to do. So we don't tell you, this is what I think you could do. Now, sometimes if you wanna fast track, a process and help somebody move, you might offer a suggestion. And, you know, usually I've said, you know, I'm taking my coaching hat off for a second, but, um, and then, and then done that kind of thing. So it's a process of helping the person discover number one, that they're equipped, that they have gifts, talents, and abilities, and to help empower them to walk um, in their situation because they are the experts on their turf. So how how would somebody go about finding different spiritual directors? And you talked about Manresa, but how would you go about finding each one? Spiritual director, a coach, a mentor? Because I think that's what I get a lot of, especially like, like women. They'll say, I don't, I don't even know how to find a mentor. I don't even know where to start to find a mentor. And maybe if they're struggling to find a mentor, it might be it's easier to start with one of those other ones. You know, why they're looking for a mentor, or you know, we talked about already having more than one. It's okay to have more than one. Mm-hmm. Right, right. Um, in terms of a coach, uh, you can connect with agencies and places that credential coaches. And I'm working right now on training and credentialing with the International Coaching Federation, that's ICF. And you can find coaches through there. Uh, They have a a segment called like coaching for today's leaders and coaching for clergy with the number four in there instead of the word. And they will again have credentialed coaches. And sometimes though for ministry, and I get pushback on this all the time, but I've been a pastor. I have 17 years of ministry experience. I understand the budgetary constraints, you know, the cost that you will pay for um, 
some of the higher level credentialing I think is prohibitive. Uh, I know in some denominations, pastors get a large education budget and they could use it for that. But in many denominations, that's not the case. Um, So you can expect to pay anywhere of 75 up to 150 for an hour. And so that, you know, so going through those, those places is a step. And sometimes you can connect with coaches in training who need to get so many hours. Right. And then you might get a more moderate fee then for that. Um, otherwise, uh, you just have to be prayerful about it and keep your eyes open for where you could connect with somebody. Um, and then the, on the flip side of it then, as somebody who is looking at coaching and online courses as, as ministry, especially for women, then, uh, you know, I'm looking to make connections with women and right. who are in ministry. And, and then that's tricky on the other end of the stick as well, which is, you know, part of why I'm going to the um, Wesleyan Holiness Women's Conference right. is to make connections with women. And then the other piece of mentoring you have to have somebody who's gone before you in the type of thing that you want to do. Yeah. And sometimes it's tricky for women to find other women that are further along. Gee, I hope you can do it. It's a spam call. <laughs> um, hopefully, you know, you can find somebody. But I just met with a DS the other day who told me that there are still some districts that have zero women serving in pastoral capacity. Yeah. Yeah, I'm on a committee. One of our districts doesn't have a rep representative because there's no, there are no women to take that spot. Right. Which is frustrating. Yeah. So then what that means is that the women that are of our generation and, and station and, you know, yeah. need to be on the lookout for and, and open to the potential of mentoring um, younger women because they're coming up, I think, in bigger numbers, it seems to me. Right. So then we need to make sure we're doing it. But even when I was in the church realm before ministry, when, you know, you're reading in scripture about older women should mentor younger women, I'd start looking around for the, you know, people to do that. And it just, I never was successful at finding them. Again, I always never knew whether it was me, you know, but, (laughs) but still I looked for that and I wanted that. So maybe that's part of my drive, um, towards doing this is I remember what that's like, the vacuum. And so that's part of what drives me. And then having had um, just challenges and and just uh, a lengthy journey. And, you know, again, I feel like I can say to some women, you know, you just got to keep your head down and keep moving one step at a time and, and give the right kind of encouragement for that. Because at the end of the day, you know, we don't rely on our denomination. We don't rely on our churches. We rely on God to be faithful to our call. And it does happen. Yeah. Uh, I didn't, I didn't have any, any ordained women that were officially mentoring me. I mean, there were, when I was coming up through the process, there were ordained women. You were ahead of me in the process. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You weren't quite, you were just getting ready to be ordained. I think when I started the process. Towards it, and so there there weren't a lot to personally in a formal way mentor me, 
Mm-hmm. Of course, now I'm like, you know, I, I recognize the value in it, and mm-hmm. so I make myself available. But yeah, I've had I have women call me from other states and say, "Well, can you mentor me? Can we do can we do this by via Skype or mm-hmm. Google Hangouts or whatever?" So I think there's some of it that needs to happen where those who are already ordained need to start looking around mm-hmm. at the women who are coming up behind them and making it available. I don't, I don't know if we think, oh, I, I should never, why would I think that somebody would want to, you know, let me mentor them? But my mentor called me and saw that, you know, my senior pastor had left and there was a vacuum and said, hey, I don't want to be presumptuous, but I'm making myself available to mentor you. I'm like, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, so I jumped on that opportunity. So I, I think those of us who are ordained, we need to do that. And then uh, kind of like you said, right, we just have to start asking people and know that they might say no, move on. Right. Well, <laughs> you know, I, um, I, in my big dream, you know, like, like I, you know, the one where I go, well, okay, if that's where we're going, Lord, that's fine, but I don't want to think too heavily about this at the moment because I'm still busy trying to assemble a foundation um, in my business slash ministry, you know, world here. Right. But I see, you know, uh, a network, a, either a mentoring or a coaching network for Christian women in ministry, yeah. whether they're in ministry or even in um, business, I have a, a small group and I've got just a handful of women in it. But some of them, oh my goodness, one is doing telehealth process and she has a nonprofit and she, it's in a Latin American country and um, she's doing some really interesting wow. things. And so, you know, I'm thinking, well, gee, if I can help these women then step into mentoring roles uh, for other women, you know, the whole replication, the disciple who makes disciples kind of thing, then at the end of the day, maybe it could evolve into a network of sorts. But I, I don't, I'm just busy trying to get my coaching off the ground and get some online courses going. Um, and I'm, I'm looking at, you know, focusing on leadership development for women, not that we right. wouldn't have guys maybe taking the class class, but it'll probably be asynchronous anyway. So um, you're not in a class with somebody, even in the online world. So, right. So um, coaches though, I will say this, you need a coach if you need help getting unstuck and you're not sure which next steps to take. Um, Maybe you're in a transition or you have some leadership challenges that you're facing. Um, we want to help people lean into their own capabilities. And at the end of the day, it's very much an equipping and an empowering kind of ministry. Um, I just, you'll laugh at this, but I just had, I'm in a coaching cohort. So I called somebody on the phone. I said, hey, I need you to coach me on this, will you? And she says, well, okay. So we spent almost an hour and she asked me a bunch of questions. And it was about going to this conference as an introvert that I am, and then doing the sales salesy kind of thing, which I don't do very well, and how I was going to pull this off. And so as she's asking me questions, though, you know, my mind just started racing and about how I could be at my booth 
and the kinds of things I could do to draw people into conversation and feel good about it, not feel like I was, you know, selling something, you know, because I'm, I'm selling services right. um, and that kind of thing. So I, yeah, it was, I was really glad I did it. She came up with some really good ideas and then I took those ideas and I actually ran with a couple of them and, and I'm feeling pretty good about it. So, and they were my ideas, right? you know, which I knew if I sit down with that merry little trio, me, myself, and I, we might not have come up with that. Right. Yeah. Sometimes you need somebody on the outside talking and talking and speaking in. And, and that's kind of what happened with me. I'm sitting in a board meeting and I realized that the church was getting to a place where if we were going to break through a ceiling we were at, mm-hmm. and not necessarily attendance, I'm not talking about that kind of a ceiling, but we were, we were stuck and we were moving into plateau, status quo, losing that. And I'm like, we can only grow as far as I grow. So as the lead pastor, mm-hmm. I at that point was holding the congregation back from growing because I didn't have the skills. It's not that I didn't have the ability, but I didn't have the skills. And so some of that was in the coach. So that's, that's what prompted me to... Or you're not recognizing coaching. the skills that you have. Right. And see them in the value, the value that they are. And because then when I sit down, sometimes I feel very inadequate about this, that, or the other thing. But when I sit down and really talk to somebody else and really hash around what, what I want to do, what I know, what I, what I know I need to know, they'll come away saying, well, you know more than what you think. Right. And I think that's true. And that's part of what coaching does is draws that out of you to remind you that, you know, God really has equipped you in certain ways. And, you know, not that you couldn't at some point look for, say, a teacher, somebody who's going to improve your knowledge base or maybe a consultant. And that's who comes in and tells you what to do is a consultant. Right. And the consultant says, here's a specific problem situation. You need to do this, this, this and this. And here's how you can accomplish that. But I lo- that's what I like about the coaching is that it um, reinforces that God really has equipped you right. for this. And it just is a companion. I don't think we're meant to do this in isolation, yeah. but we do. You know, it, right. even in a denomination that um, is it has more women in service than some others, you still are isolated, number one, because you're female. And then, heaven forbid, if you should come off as any kind of church planter-ish mindset, um, because they're the people doing the a more traditional kind of um, church model, you know, kind of look at you as... So you're removed one more level. So, you know, number one, all leaders are isolated. Then if, number two, you're female, it's that's another level of isolation. And number three, if you are more given and driven towards church planting types of models. Yeah, more fossil type. Yeah, yeah. Then, then you are really, really isolated. And I think you have to be very intentional about going after what you need to, to accomplish what God has given you to do. Yeah, that's what I think. <laughs> <laughs> and spiritual director is more, like you said, like you said, it's more dealing with your stuff. Well, dealing with your stuff as a counselor. Yeah, so, <laughs> dealing so, with why, so why you do what you do. What is the difference between counselor and spiritual director? In some ways, they're similar, especially if you have a Christian counselor, but they're not. They are distinct. 
Yeah, a counselor is going to help you deal with the stuff in your past that is impacting right now and your ability to function. And a spiritual director is going to always lead you towards um, a deeper discovery of um, where God is active around you and how well you can uh, teach you to discern that. I did a whole discernment thing several times <laughs> with my while I was, you know, and right. with my spiritual director, like a whole big Ignatian process thing. Yeah, two different times and and it just is a very useful tool that you just don't you know your counselor is not going to hand you that they're going to ask you to talk about maybe your family of origin and what kind of trauma that is you know holding you back from so it just depends on what kind of help you need but basically i just don't think this is a journey we're meant to do alone and pastors can be a little competitive what <laughs> they can now, be a little I've, I've done my strength finders. Competition is number 33 out of 34. Well, that's good for you. <laughs> <laughs> but they can be. They can be. You know, look at the stats we're supposed to come up with. Look at the, you know, even though they're they're spiritual stats, you still got to put your stats in there and right. it goes on the board, you know, for everybody to see. And, uh, you know, and you don't want to be the pastor that gets up and the best thing you can say about your church for the year is, Oh, we got new carpet. You know, I mean, if you can help that, you know, maybe it is the best thing that happened all year. Maybe it was a rough year, but you need some kind of um, companion on the journey. And competition is the polar opposite of the concept that I want to really press with people. Um, And the process I want to press is called kenotic leadership. Kenosis is about emptying yourself of yourself. Right. Because, like, we can really get in our own way very easy, you know. Um, some people like to always blame Satan, but I say, yeah, we can get our, in the mix, too, and, right. and muddy There's things plenty up. Of plenty of flesh in there, all in there, too. Yeah, but <laughs> the exact opposite of kenosis is competition. Yeah, try to, you know, it's the, the picture painted in Scripture is, uh, in the word used is like one person climbing over the other to really attain where they want to go. You know, kind of like our political system today. <laughs> you know, it is. It's, right. It is like electioneering and political, you know, that yeah. whole thing. And that's not, you know, being surrendered to God's purposes and, and trying to be humble before God. And um, that's the kind of leadership concept that I'll be putting forward, you know, in classes and, and things that I do. Um, that's a, a real driver for me. But, yeah, spiritual director will help you discern the movement of the Holy Spirit around you and what God is saying to you. And Yeah. You know. So Southeast Michigan, people can start with Manresa. Mm-hmm. A, lot, a lot of spiritual directors have Catholic backgrounds. They do. They do. I would, I, Manresa is the main hub that I know of, and I know that they have a, a training program there. And what happens is you, you put your application in, and they will give you the name of three, and they require that you interview three oh, to wow. see which one you're going to connect with. So, I mean, I, I went way down, and uh, it was like an hour and a half drive somewhere that I interviewed one gal. I, I did. I interviewed three, and I knew which one after I got to number two. She was number two, the one that I chose, and I chose her because she was a charismatic Catholic. Yeah. And she was very, uh, she was a lot of fun. I, yeah. I really enjoyed, and I gave her high marks because she 
basically endured me for <laughs> but I think she loved it. Yeah. She did, you know, um, but I can be my own uh, worst enemy and rattle on forever, probably I, already hearing. <laughs> I, did, I did one session, because um, like, the place where I go for my annual prayer retreat, there's three couples that own the property, and two of the women there are both trained spiritual directors. Mm-hmm. So I had met with one of the women, and same thing, she was very charismatic, Catholic, um, and that, that was powerful, because I felt really disconnected from God, when I was at that particular retreat that that year that I was on, and I think I went early early on, like I was there for five days, and so I think it was like day two or three that mm-hmm. I met with her, and and then was able to kind of really open up to God the last couple of days, and that I was there and and connect with Him maybe in a new way, or like you said, see Him. He's already there and at work, but see Him. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was, and, and I know I know there's a group in the East Coast named Sela, and so I'm guessing they're a Protestant version. Yeah, and um, and then a lot of um, coaches then just hang their shingle out there independently, and yeah. work to make connections um, with people. Um, but again, my market and and the people I want to reach is is Christian women in any kind of leadership capacity, whether it's ministry or business, because I was a business owner right. um, before ministry in marketing and and, and marketing communications work. Yeah. So I want to connect with those people because um, I feel like I would have something to speak into them. There's a, a basis of commonality there right. that I think I could be helpful. Well, I'm going to put your all your info in the show notes and make sure people can connect up with you. And oh, yeah, that would be great. So, that would be great. Yeah, so a lot of this is just trying to get people some more information because it really does seem like for women, because we tend to be isolated from one mm-hmm. another, not intentionally, just, you know, if there's only one of you in your area yeah. um, and you don't make a point of trying to reach out to even other denominations, women who are other denominations, then you stumbling through yeah and sometimes you you do have a place where you've got to go and process things and your own congregation is not necessarily the place for that it's rare that you have friendships i would recommend not having friendships in your congregation um or or if you do if you do that you just got to really have really strong boundaries that you're you know because somebody but somebody somewhere has got to hear you and let you process i mean my coaches, the second one especially that I had was a female coach, and I shifted because she had some expertise in communi- in connecting with a community, right. um, helping your congregation connect with its community and serve them. And so that's where I went. But I'll never forget the day that she asked me, once you're done with this construction project, because we had purchased a building that needed reconstruction and she said, Where do you, what's your vision for this community? And I, and I am visionary. I, I do see the potential of something existing where there isn't something right now. Right. And, uh, you know, I think the hair stood up on the back of my neck because I realized that I did not hold the vision and that somebody was going to come after me that would, that it was time for me to then step back. And that wasn't, you know, that was confirmed to me quite a bit. And I actually... I had been discerning on that. So I uh, 
yeah, I, there were pivotal questions along the way for me that, that really shaped what I did and how I went at it. Um, so it was very valuable. Yeah, I, and you helped me through that piece of it. Not yeah, for myself, for my own congregation of hitting that wall and I don't, I don't see anything anymore. I don't, I don't see what's beyond. So fortunately, I said I didn't see anything beyond March one, and here we are beyond March one. So I know, here. I know, and and I I'm think for here. me too, as as your coach, and 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 I'm I'm not violating your confidence. I don't think in what I'm going to say, but um, you know, it's been exciting to see God working in the midst of this and redirecting and opening some new doors for you, and right. it was like you were sensing that. Sorry, I'll say that again. It was like you're sensing that something is coming, and but that's a very uncomfortable place to be. Right. It's kind of this um, limbo land, almost feeling, you know, the now and not yet. Or if right. you read Managing Transitions by Bridges, you know, he calls it, um, it's a very creative place, but it's also chaotic right. until all the pieces start to come together. But it's when you're watching all the pieces float around you and you're you're not sure how they're going to snap together or whether they're going to snap together or whatever that's unsettling. And that's why and how a coach can function is to walk with you and help you sort through these things. Um, but you're doing the work. And then and then now, you know, you, you've gone through some of that and God's opened some different kind of doors for you that, that I think I'm excited for you. <laughs> I, would, I got really excited along the way. And so I was just honored just to be able to be, uh, you know, a part of journeying with you in that. Yeah, that was an honor for me. It still is fun. It's fun. fun. It's fun. Cool. I've told Jesus, I don't want to do this if it isn't fun. Right? <laughs> you know? So it is. It's definitely fun and, and a joy to do. So it's been uncomfortable processing stuff, but it's been it's been good. It was. I, th- I think I got to that place where I realized I'm going to have to do some work here, you know, awareness and some of the other those pieces, if I'm going to get to where God is trying to lead me. Like, can't we just jump over that and go right there? No, no, but you, you don't really want to jump over that. <laughs> no, we don't. I mean, we don't. one of my, um, key learnings, um, in the dissertation process and studying kenosis and everything is that, you know, everybody likes the idea of, I'm going to be a servant of Jesus. Yay. This is very cool. And they like the idea of being an authentic representation of Jesus to the world. Hot right. dog. But the way you get there is through, participation with God at work in your life and in the world. So it's like an equation. It's your um, willingness to lay yourself down and be a servant of Jesus, uh, plus the activity, the participation, the work, the hopping in by faith and being faithful and obedient with wherever you are that's going to lead to an authentic representation. And Lord knows we need more and more authentic representation of Jesus right. in the world today. So, and that's, that's kind of what kenosis is about. <laughs>